Welcome to CBS Soap Dish Recap, a podcast about your favorite CBS soaps. Each week, we deliver the best hard-hitting analysis of the previous week of The Young and the Restless and The Bold and the Beautiful. Now, here's your hosts. Hey, you guys. Welcome back to CBS Soap Dish Recap, where we recap both The Young and the Restless and The Bold and the Beautiful. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And I also want to thank you guys for, for continuing to support our platforms, whether it's on the podcast, um, over on Anchor, or if you are one of our YouTube subscribers as well. Thank you so much for coming back every week to check out our podcast and listen to us have a little bit of fun. Now, it's been a crazy two weeks. Last week, I did the podcast. I know Trish had um, some stuff going on with a concert. This particular week, um, I my daughter came into town. So, you know, this is the holiday weekend, so I wanted to squeeze in some time. We usually do it on Friday nights, but yeah, she was flying in yesterday, so it did not happen. So, I wanted to jump in early this morning so we can talk about it. Also, guys, we do have a treat this particular episode because... Um, we have some voice recordings that was sent to me by Keisha Williams. And for those who have been on the podcast side, who's been with us for the last two, three years, you all know who Keisha Williams is. She is one of our other panelists who is currently on deployment. I think she is down in Qatar right now. So, uh, she's technically about eight hours ahead of me, and uh, we was trying to see if we can arrange something, but I got a lot going on since my daughter's coming into town, so we're going to hit the streets in a little bit, so our timing wouldn't connect with both of us trying to go live together, but we were definitely hoping so, maybe next time, but I do want to also share with you guys her thoughts on a couple of the storylines. Um, she had a lot to say about the bold and the beautiful. And then she had some things to say about Diane on the young and the restless. So you guys are going to get to hear that. And um, we're going to talk about it, right? So what we normally do, if you are new on our podcast, we recap the young and the restless in the first half of the show. And then the bold and the beautiful in the second half of the show. And then there is a flip the script segment where if there is a particular scene or a storyline that we wish we could change, this is where we flip the script. All right. So this is for the week of May 23rd through May 27th. Guys, can you believe in 2022 we've already been six months into the year almost june 1st is like next week or this coming week right so anywho i'm going to jump into this so we can go ahead and get this thing started all right so i'm, I'm going to give the summary like i usually do and then we're going to break down the storyline so for the young and the restless recap for the week of may 23rd through 27th kyle introduced harrison to diane Kyle asked Diane to stay in town and offer to pay for her hotel. 
Victoria broke up a fight between Nikki and Diane. Jack had reservations about Jabot acquiring Marchetti. Chelsea seemed to be on the edge, and Elena warned Nate that Imani was after him. So, I would say um, the bulk of this week's episode um, pretty much focused around Diane Jenkins, right? So, what I'm going to start off by doing, I'm going to let you guys hear uh, Keisha's um synopsis and recap on what she thought and then we're going to go ahead and um, we're going to talk about it on our end as well okay so here we go so the next storyline i wanted to get into was diane coming back into town um if i remember correctly diane wasn't in any legal trouble when she faked her own death and nobody was after her like after her to kill her she just pissed off a lot of people um, because she was trying to extort and blackmail people for money because she wanted to get out of town because she basically um she made a lot of people mad and she ruined her reputation in general city so her solution to that was to fake her death and i think that that was a very selfish decision to make um and deciding not to take Kyle with her to me was also a selfish decision because it was easier for her to go on the run um, by herself than to have a kid with her. Um, and not only did she, not only do I feel like that was a selfish decision to do that, but she also, when she you know, faked her death, she left custody of Kyle to Victor. So she wasn't really thinking about Kyle. Her whole, um, her whole thing was, I'm going to fake my death because people are mad at me. And I'm going to figure out a way I'm going to, I'm going to, um, jab Jack in the process. I'm going to do something to hurt him in the process of faking my own death my one last little jab to him is going to be to leave um, his son to a man that he can't stand. So there was nothing selfless about that whole, that whole scheme, that whole idea that she came up with. Um, <clears throat> I just can't, I can't credit her with making a good decision to leave Kyle behind to make sure that he had a better life because that wasn't what that wasn't what her goal was I don't feel like that of course I'm not saying that she doesn't care about her son but if you had the wherewithal to leave custody of him to Victor she knew what she was doing if you made a decision instead of facing the music and owning up to your actions to fake your death um, and leave your son behind that was more about you than it was about him so that's why I'm not going to credit her with being selfless um, Kyle would have been okay either way if she had stayed there and just dealt with what she did the Abbots were always going to take care of him he was never going to grow up wanting anything so that's my opinion on that part of the story. The second half of the story 
and she is back and Kyle is an adult now um so her asking to be back in Kyle's life is completely his decision and nobody else's so I think when he put together that whole Abbott family meeting and had Diane show up I think that was him maybe trying to I think maybe he thought once Diane showed up there knowing that his family was going to go in on her like they were going to grill Diane and they were going to belittle her for belittle her for what she did I think maybe he thought that that would help him make a decision and make his decision easier but it didn't um he still walked out of that family meeting not knowing what to do and that's okay like Diane had been gone for a decade or so she can't just pop back up in his life and expect him to make a decision at the drop of a hat just because she's there like that's going to take some time um so the thing that Diane needs to do is to stop inserting herself in Kyle's life like showing up at Tessa and Mariah's wedding was that was inappropriate you showed up to an event a private event that you weren't invited to that had people there that can't stand you um her showing up to the park when uh Summer and Kyle took took Harrison to the park that was also inappropriate because you're showing up to somewhere where he's spending private time with his son that you haven't met yet and she did it on purpose because it was her way of possibly getting to meet Harrison because she probably had a feeling that if she showed up there that Kyle may introduce them so she basically forced she she's forcing Kyle's hand in a way so she's not laying off and letting him giving him the time that he needs to think things through and to make decisions um she's doing exactly what Phyllis is doing or Ashley is doing or maybe even Summer which Summer out of any of those has more she has more of a right to an opinion in this situation with Kyle not saying that she can tell him what to do but I would understand her giving her point of view and what her opinion is of the situation because that's his wife Phyllis has no say in this Ashley has no say in this um but Diane also needs to back off just like she wants everybody else to do and she's not doing that she is finding every opportunity that she can to insert herself in Kyle's life and um I I think that's possibly going to hurt her more than help her although it did help her in the part because Kyle did end up introducing Harrison to her but it was still in a almost a forced way also i don't necessarily agree with um the idea that just because diane is his mother that she is owed a second chance um i think if someone is toxic regardless of if they are a blood relative um that a person doesn't have to or doesn't automatically have to give them that second chance because toxic is toxic and if it brings stress 
to your life, then you shouldn't have to deal with it, regardless of what the relationship is to that individual. So I hope that if Kyle does decide to allow her um, back into his life, that Diane has hopefully changed, which so far she still seems to be somewhat of a schemer, just just purely from the way that she let Jack know that she was still alive, going through that, that whole thing of using Allie to reveal that she was still alive. But maybe that will be her one and only um, her one and only scheme that she did just to make everybody aware that she's still here or that she is still here. Um, but after seeing that she has introduced herself to Ashlyn and now she knows that Ashlyn and her have a connection, which is Harrison. Um, I, I don't have that much hope for Diane <laughs> because I feel like her and Ashlyn are somehow going to team up to figure out a way for him to be included in Harrison's life, which he should be. I don't think Kyle and Summer should be trying to keep him from Harrison. But she's going to use it to her advantage to also try to um, be in Kyle and Harrison's life as well. Okay, so that was her synopsis on um, this whole Diane storyline. Um, here's why, where I'm at. So what we saw this week is Phyllis, um, Nikki, um, Victor, and of course, Jack is kind of in the middle, um, except on the Thursday episode where... You know, he when when he realized that Kyle was going to give Diane more time and to put her up in at the athletic club, he let it loose at this point. But Kyle definitely had a way to kind of smooth it over. The relationship that a child and a parent has is always going to be different than the relationship than you have with a coworker somebody that you may have been associated with, it's always going to be that much different. Just like as much as a romantic relationship is going to be different than a child-parent relationship, right? Now, can those two coexist in a family unit? Absolutely. But that's a whole nother channel, a whole nother story. In this situation, they can't even fathom why Kyle wants to have a relationship with Diane. They just don't understand it. And they probably never will unless it hits them at home close. And the thing is, is that they see Diane as the Diane that's not connected to them. This person who, as Keisha said, she, you know, she rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, you know, and the blackmails and the scheme. Kyle only remembers her as this person that went on, on, you know, did things with him, being a very loving mother to him, up to the point where she faked the death. So it doesn't matter what Phyllis think. It doesn't matter what Ashley think. Just like Keisha said, they need, you know, it has nothing to do with them. 
it all comes down to what Kyle wants to do. Now, Keisha did let me know at the time of me receiving this messages that she had not seen Friday's episode. So she was going to watch it later today. Remember, she is hours ahead of us here in the States. Um, plus, she's still working. She's on deployment. So she's trying to fit it in where she gets it in. So I, I really appreciate her being able to take the time to do that and to add her content to the platform. So she hasn't seen Friday's episode where we did get to see, and I kind of gave her a heads up. I said, well, you, you'll, you, you will have a lot to see and think about once she see Friday's episode. But um, not only did he put her up in the hotel and everything, um, yeah, pretty much he was the one that made the decision. Even against Jack feeling the way he said, just like I said earlier, about how Jack was not happy when he brought her to the house. Because he actually ran into her at the Grand Phoenix. That's where Phyllis watched them have that conversation. Kyle removed her from there, put her up at the athletic club, and... He's paying for it. Now, most of GC is probably going to look at the situation kind of like Diane said. You know what they're going to think by me, you know, being at the athletic club and you paying for it. And he was like, no, I don't care. It's my decision. I got to figure it out. It's, it's on my dime. I need more answers. I need more time. Because she turned him down. She was like, oh, no, no, no. I can't have you do that. I can't have you do that, you know. Um, hey, you know, I came here on my own volition. I have to either just go back to L.A. or take or, you know, pay out of my pocket. But Kyle insisted. Now, could she have said, no, I refuse to take your money? Sure. But they both have two self-serving interests. She wants to be there to get to know her son and Harrison and then at the same time, Kyle also wants to fill that void that he's missing. You got to put, and, and the reason why I empathize with this so much, you know what I'm saying, is because my kids lost their dad at a young age. So I can imagine, I can imagine how if by divine intervention or some something, he was to come back. Nobody, I don't care how anybody else, any other family members, people he know, people he worked with, or whatever, whatever way they feel about him, there will be nothing that would have probably interfered with, you know, my son and daughter feeling a certain way about their dad if he was to actually come back. Of course, we know that can't happen. But in soap world, I think that's kind of why I kind of have a little bit of a soft side to this situation because, I mean, and I don't know about anybody else. Now, the I got to say I'm not excusing Diane because she did some horrible things back in the day to colleagues, to Victor, to Nikki, to all of them, you know. And the thing is, is that when it comes to you know, them blaming her for all of us look like suspects. Well, you had to put yourself in the vicinity of killing this woman to be a suspect. So either you could have took the high road and said, you know what, if she needs to leave town 
or she need to get out of here or whatever, blackmail or getting law enforcement involved. You had options. You didn't, all of you guys didn't have to rally the wagons to try to come after her the night of the park. And then when she showed up dead, in this case, faking her death, you got blamed. You wouldn't be blamed if you weren't there in the first place. So putting that off on her, oh my God, we were suspects. I went through hell, through court systems, and I was in jail. Well, if your butt wasn't there in the first place, you wouldn't have had to deal with it. But again, it's a soap world. So I, I just find, you know, I, I find a huge hypocrisy when it comes to some of these folks in GC. The biggest person that I really find sympathy with in all of this, especially, is probably Sharon. Now, have Sharon done some things? Yes. But when you start talking about Adam, Victoria, because we also got Ashlyn Locke in this mix, too, because we got to talk about him as well. But, you know, it's Kyle's decision and f to have Phyllis this week try to, you know, she had that whole conversation with her daughter. I'm going to need you to convince your husband and manipulate the situation. And we're going to get even more. I mean, that girl is in the middle because she got Ashlyn Locke on one side when it comes to Harrison. And then you got Diane on one side when it comes to Kyle. And everybody wants both of them gone. So they're looking at Summer as being the catalyst to be an influential partner when it comes to trying to get Kyle to make decision about Harrison's custody with Ashlyn and the connection that Kyle has with his mother. Can we talk about for a minute, Phyllis? Phyllis looked like she is a psychotic, obsessive psychotic this weekend, the spazzing out. I'm like, girl, go get some help for that. Because that woman should not have that much power over your head and trigger you that much. Seriously, I've seen Sharon more composed in certain situations than I, and she, of course, she's a therapist. She did the work. She had to go through counseling. She became a counselor herself. I think maybe somebody need to get that advice to Phyllis. That girl is spazzing out. And then you sleep with Jack. You had six months, and I talked about this in last week's podcast. That girl has six months where she played cat and mouse with Jack. Jack played cat and mouse with her. And then when, when Diane comes in and Diane makes these little comments, now you're triggered to go run and jump and sleep with, with Jack. And now you want to plan all these little dates and, you know, you want to hang out with him and you want to love on him and all this sort of kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, Diane is calling it like, you, like she see it. You marking your territory. That's exactly what she's doing. And every time she ruins the moment, any times that she spends time with Jack or with her daughter, it's always about Diane. She's more obsessed with Diane than Diane is obsessed with anything else. Diane is, you know, of course, she's focused. It seems to be focused on her son. But she also realizes that her presence is, you know, is definitely triggering people. Especially Nikki, because we got to talk about that little fight. But that whole thing which with Phyllis is out of control. It's like, girl, get a grip. 
You know, I mean, maybe she's met her match. You know, Phyllis, again, there's the hypocrisy. You know, when she was telling um, her daughter about the fact that, you know, I can't believe anybody, Kyle would want anything to do with her. And I'm thinking like, um, Phyllis, they could be telling your daughter the same thing about you, but you managed to maintain that relationship. You know, and Summer has been this version of Summer, because I think if Hunter King was here, she probably would have played Summer differently. But this one, this Summer has a little bit more empathy, it seems, because she's trying to move the direction that her husband wants to move, because at the end of the day, it's his call. And she realizes that if she pushed the button, it could cause a rift in their relationship. So she knows what's at stake here. And to have her mom as an interloper to say, I'm going to need you to go in there. And I'm going to need you to influence, influence Kyle to tell him how horrible his mom is. And it's going to be a horrible choice for him to, you know, um, actually try to build a life with his mom. It's like, all you're going to do is cause a rift in your daughter's marriage. Stay out of that. If 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 Summer wants to take a step back and let Kyle figure it out, just like Jack supposedly was wanting to do up until Friday's episode. You got to let them do that. But at the same time, Phyllis got to get a grip. Phyllis is spazzing out and about to cry and going to this whole level of hysteria. It's like, girl, you were one of the people in the town that everybody ostracized. The, um, you always talk to, um, Nick about how the Newmans don't like me. Well, the Abbots didn't like you either. So you were the town pariah as well. Now that you didn't got your foot in the door and everybody can tolerate you. Now you want to give that same treatment to Diane that you got for a very long time. Okay. So you out of anybody should understand. Now I will say I, you know, there's a part of this from back in the day that Phyllis is not happy about, you know, that whole thing that transpired where Phyllis was trying to, I mean, where Diane was trying to get in, in the middle of her relationship with Jack back at the time, right? So I understand that, but if Jack is not showing any type of energy except to support his son... You need to feel comfortable in securing yourself that, you know, you what you and Jack has is solid. And that Jack is not going to get involved with Diane. That girl is really insecure right now. She needs to get a grip. Speaking of getting a grip is Nikki. Now, as I said a little bit earlier, you are so pissed off because the fact that you had to go through all the legal processes because you were one of the biggest suspects in Diane's so-called death investigation. Well, if you weren't in the park that night trying to track somebody down with a rock, um, it still could be looked at as attempted murder, right? So even though she didn't die and this was all a setup, you still made an attempt to take her out. You have to own that, Nikki. You can't get mad at Diane for something that you did. You did that. Okay, now, was there things that led up to that point? Of course, 
you know, because Diane hurt a lot of people. She did. She hurt a lot of people. There was a lot of craziness that she she created. And she had pissed off a lot of people. But again, you chose to go to the park that night when you thought you saw her. And at the time, Diane was played by Maura West. And I think they ended that storyline because she went back to one of the other soaps. I don't know if it was General Hospital or Days of Our Lives, but she left to go there. So they had to end the storyline at the time. But part of that storyline is that you can't be mad at Diane for being, you know, uh, having you in a situation where you were a suspect because you put yourself as a suspect by going to that park. So you got to own that. What happened at the coffee house this week? So Diane was just minding her business. Again, somebody else who's triggered, who don't want to take accountability for their actions 10 years ago. Nikki saw her and started hurling all these insults. Now, for a period of time, Diane held it together. But the moment that she said that you, you know, that you are a gold digger and all you want is Abbott's money, Diane slapped the crap out of her. Now, I don't think that she should have if I was her. I mean, she should have said, you know what, think what you wish. This has nothing to do with you. If you feel in some kind of way about what happened, you were in the park that, like, you chose to hit me with a rock. You have to take accountability for your movements, whether I was dead or alive, and walked away. But that whole slapping session, I mean, yeah, she didn't have to slap her first, but Nikki didn't have to go over there and, and bother this woman. She had no idea that you were even there until you walk until Nikki walked up to her. You started this. And then when Victor is off on the porch, Victoria walks in, then now Nikki looks like the victim. No, you went in there and you jumped in front of her face. And this is what I've been saying about both storylines when it comes to both Sheila and anybody else. Stop jumping in these people's faces. If you can't handle yourself or you feel triggered go somewhere else and deal with it hey go listen to billy's podcast or something but this is out of control i mean you can't sit up there and go poke the bear and then when the bear bites you back then you want to cry i'm a victim you poked the bear she went into that coffee house she saw diane and she jumped in her face she hurled all those insults excuse me and then expected Diane to just take the high road. And for a while, she did until she hit her in the jugular with trying to be a gold digger using Kyle and Kyle's money. And she let Nikki have it. Do I agree? <clears throat> Excuse me. Do I agree with that? No. She, you keep your hands to yourself. But at the same time, Nikki had no right to bother somebody that wasn't even talking to her. Now, it's one thing if you wanted to say some things, I don't like you being here, you know, I mean, but Nikki was just as spazzed out as Phyllis. Yes, Diane did some crazy things, but your husband did worse. You know, I mean, they be, it's, it's just crazy. They quick to call Ashlyn and Diane 
narcissist and everything when Nikki lived with the biggest one on on the show. So that's the situation with that whole thing. So let's talk about this um thing that Keisha kind of touched on with Ashlyn and Diane. I honestly would like to see them as a couple. Now that might be an unpopular opinion. Not to get into this situation. Now, would it be beneficial for Diane? Probably not. And there, this would definitely give Kyle leverage because Kyle do not like the situation that's going on with what he found out about Ashlyn Locke. Um, however, you know, just for story's sake, you know, just to have some entertainment... Actually, they would make a good on-screen couple. I think they're both uh, attractive older couple together. Victoria doesn't want them anymore. Or maybe Victoria, they can create a triangle. Because the Victoria still have feelings for him. And to see, he got he still got $250 million. Plus whatever other money he has. Period. I mean, if they was to get together and build their own empire or whatever, they could give General City a run for their money. But back to the storyline. I just wanted to put that out there. However, this would not be great for Diane. Now, this is definitely going to be something that comes up next week. I have seen Monday's episode, so I won't spoil that. But decisions have to be made on Diane's part on whether or not she is going to team up with Ashlyn for the greater good of trying to get access to Kyle and him get access to Harrison. Now, I said this before. As much as Kyle is pissed off at what um, Ashlyn Locke did with this whole line situation, um, I don't feel sorry for Victoria. You guys know that. Victoria knew what she was getting into. She knew what her father did. She knew what her agenda was at the beginning, trying to take this man's company, thinking he was going to die soon, and she was going to get a free company. So I have zero with that because she knew what she was doing going in the door. She happened to fall in love with this man, find out the history of his best friend, his alias, and the fact of the will, and you still married him. You knew what this man was capable of. And um, that's the crazy thing about all of this is that everybody is so pissed off at him, but the Newmans were just as culpable. You know, so if you want to get mad at somebody, somebody needs to be in the middle looking at both sides. Remember the other part of this is, you know, where Victor held a whole heart attack over his head to sign over Cyaxares. Your hands are not clean, Victor. And then the other side of this thing is that Billy, Nicholas, and Gaines tried to stop Victoria from marrying this guy. And they moved, meaning Victor and Adam, heaven and earth, to keep that from happening. So with her, their agendas that they wanted to get his companies, his agenda of trying to play chess against them and get Newman 
and Victoria signing up for this, fully knowing well what he's capable of. You know, you had three people try to stop. I have zero empathy for this. So, with Kyle responding like, you're the most horrible person. Kyle, you don't even know the whole story. Neither do your wife. Because if you knew the whole story, Ashlyn did a horrible thing. But you need to also point some fingers directly to Victor and Victoria. And Adam. I'm usually an Adam fan. But as much as Adam, you know, I think need to be away from the family, he was also a part of this. I call it like I see it. So, you know, unfortunately, I have no sympathy for Victoria. And they're trying to say, poor Victoria, you need a spa time. We need to protect your sister. Oh, my God. How could you do this to Victoria? Nah, Victoria had a hand in this, too. She played with fire. She signed up with this guy. And it it blew up in her face. She got to take accountability for everything she took part of. And Victor does, too. You invited this dude in the family. Knowing what he did, you thought he was so much like you, which made you admire him. You even said that. And now once the snake turn around and bite you in the butt, now you want to cry foul. Sorry, Victor. I have no sympathy for that. Kyle, the only way you even have this guy, son, is because you slept with his wife. So if you're trying to be mad at Ashlyn, you slept with this man's wife fully knowing that he that that Tara was married to him. You knew he was the Loch Ness Monster. You knew who he was. So that didn't stop you from sleeping with his wife and, and impregnating her, even though she was a part of that too. It wasn't like, you know, it takes two to tango. She, you, she allowed you to come into that world by sleeping with her. But... You casting stones at a situation where you knew you was sleeping with the Loch Ness Monster's wife and had a child. And the Loch Ness Monster actually came up with an agreement to say, let's share custody. And now you find out what the Loch Ness Monster has done. Now you want to be like, oh my God, he's he's got to be out of his life. Are you serious right now? Help make that make sense. You, Both you and Victoria knew what y'all were up against. You knew who he was when you slept with his wife. Victoria knew he who he was when she married him. And the people that tried to stop her. I have zero sympathy for that. And for him to be like, oh, I got to keep you out of Harrison's life. Why? You knew what he was. It wasn't like he was just this angel who just shot, who just, what's the TV show, snapped? No. You knew that's what his name, his trademark when he came to General City, the Loch Ness Monster. Everybody knew that. But y'all got in bed with this dude. You got in bed with his wife. Victoria got in bed with him. It is what it is. You get in bed with a snake, guess what? It'll bite you. But with Diane, it's not going to serve her well to sign up with Ashlyn. If she wants to have a relationship with Kyle, knowing how much Kyle have more of a disdain at this point, to go figure, for, for Ashlyn, he's going to say, 
if you continue a relationship or conversation with Ashlyn Locke, I will not let you see. I, I won't see you well, in this relationship. And you definitely won't see your grandson. So the, she will make a decision. You'll see that next week. I won't divulge that information. Um, but yeah, uh, I wanted to share that with you, especially since Keisha shared her point of view and starting off this uh, Young and the Restless recap this week with the whole Diane situation. Um, let's talk about Amani. So, um, Amani has been taking every opportunity to get close to Nate. Um, but some people tend to think this is a little bit of karma for Elena because Elena came between two cousins, right? And so now, you know, as this is a soap, because in real world, I, you know, I don't encourage cheating or infidelity. Soap world, it is what it is. That's what they do. But, um... I have a feeling that Amani getting close, they're having that conversation in the coffee house at society. He was holding her hand to console her because she was afraid about her mom and her mom's illness or uh, condition, not illness, but condition. Um, They're going to get close. I can see it coming. And Elena has warned him and Nate is like, what are you talking about? She was worried about her mom. And, you know, that whole thing he should be very wary about. Now, if he continues on that path with Amani, it is what it is. He It's going to be his fault. He has to take accountability for that. You know, so... I, it, I see that a mile away. I see that a mile away. Now, what do you guys think about um, this whole thing with Kyle and Summer moving back? This whole Marchetti deal. My thing is, I know that she has a top position, but she is not Angelina Marchetti. So, for Summer to be making all of these behind-the-scenes decisions about a business she don't technically own, even though she knows what the accounting of the business look like, it's like, how are you asking for a merger when you're? that's not even in your control? I mean, you're trying to set up all this stuff to have Jack buy it, talk Kyle and uh, having a conversation, moving back home, when you haven't even ran this across Angelina Marchetti's desk. Who's to say Angelina don't want to sell it off to somebody in her family? Or for Angelina to, you know, say, I'm just going to close shop and liquidate it. What if she don't want to you know, progress the business and say, you know what, hey, I'm done and don't want to sell it to nobody. So for Summer to be making all these behind-the-scenes decisions about a company she really, truly don't own, making plans to move back to GC, it's either a horrible writer's flaw or it's just stupid. Because it's like, yeah, it's a good idea to get. Because I know, obviously, it's what they're, the writers are trying to do is to get Kyle the new summer back on canvas um and in you know regular airing and you know filming but i mean hopefully we'll get a piece of this storyline where angelina marchetti wants to say hey yeah summer i agree 
you know, hey, I'll I'll let you sell the business over to Jabot if Jack decides that's what he wants to do and go from there. So, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. And then the other piece of this storyline is Chelsea's on edge. She went off on Friday's episode about nothing. Now, she was fussing at the phone because Chloe wasn't there. Chloe showed up and said, hey, I got a mix-up. She was pissed off at um, Adam and Sally for just checking in on her. And, of course, that has Adam concerned because it's like, dang, are you reversing back to who you were and you spazzing out? You just got access to your son. But that's what she gets. She, she, her conscience is eating her alive because as much as she's lying to everybody else, especially Chloe and even Sharon at some point that she wasn't romantically interested in Ray is eating her conscience because of the fact that Honestly, and granted, okay, they wrote this whole ending to the Ray Gun, uh, the Ray story, Ray Rosales storyline, as you know, a natural cause situation, right? But at the end of the day, he wouldn't even been on the streets. Who's to say this incident, this medical incident, couldn't have happened right in front of Sharon, or at home where? Somebody could tend to him behind, besides being behind the wheel. So as much as they're writing that off, Chelsea has some culpability in this. She didn't have to have that man. And I said this in previous podcasts, especially in the month of April. There was no reason for her to actually be involved in this whole thing. It was absolutely ridiculous. When you find out you wasn't going to New York, you could have took your son to that hockey game by yourself. I mean, seriously. But no, you tried to set this up in a way where first you say, oh, I'm going, I am I got to be out of town. Adam can't do it. Can you take Connor? He says yes. And then you turn around a week or two later and say, guess what? I don't have to go to New York. I can go with you. Uh, No. And if I was Sharon, I'd be like, okay, well, you don't need my husband to go. My husband. I was helping you out by allowing him to take Connor. But now that you're available, you don't need my husband to go with you. And Chelsea knew better. She knew she wanted a little weekend getaway with Sharon's husband. So now fast forward to this week's episode. She's feeling some kind of way because number one, this man is gone because she developed a huge crush on him. And number two, she feel responsible, as she should a little bit. Because he running back and forth and all this kind of stuff to try to do something for you when he probably should have been sitting down somewhere. I mean, medical incidents can happen at any time. But, you know, you even without just remove that part. She knew she shouldn't have been fiending on somebody else's husband. And yes, you should be feeling guilty about that. That man was whole married. You didn't want Sharon interloping with your situation and Adam so much so that the same man that you're crushing on, you're poisoned, trying to set Adam up for a murder he didn't, or an attempted murder he didn't even commit. 
This man allows you grace and accept you back in his life only for you to scheme to try to interfere with his marriage by trying to be with him and get him away from Sharon. <laughs> yeah, she needs to eat all of that guilt up. You need to take accountability for that. But you don't lash out at other people. You need to deal with that yourself. Don't You don't have to lash out at Sally. You ain't got to lash out at Chloe. Being on edge. You got a therapist on call. Call them. Saying, oh my God, I know I got client, um, client doctor privilege. I need to tell you something. My feelings was this. Go talk to somebody. Stop lashing out at other people. That whole hurt people, hurt people. People need to get a grip and stop hurting people when you're in pain. Talk to somebody. So that's my whole thing with that. Um. Uh, what do y'all think about the whole Dee Dee thing? She was really... Diane has a way of trying to poke the bear. And as much as she's toting the line of trying to be nice, she's also kind of poking the bear because, I mean, she really stuck it in Jack and Phyllis's craw by saying, he calling me, uh, Harrison is calling me Dee Dee. Well, I mean, if, if that's, his, that's her grandson. It is what it is. So, yeah, they're going to have to deal with it. All right. So that's all we have um, on our recap. I think we covered everything for the week of May 23rd through 27th for The Young and the Restless. But we're not done yet. We got to talk about Bold and Beautiful. And, yeah, it was some craziness this week. And Keisha also have some thoughts about that. So, without further ado, let's listen to what she had to say on... Her, um, you know, her thoughts on the bold and the beautiful. Here we go. Hi, everyone. I wanted to drop in and give my two cents on a few of the storylines going on right now. Um, one of those being the whole Steffi, Sheila, Lee, Finn storyline. Um, so in, in this one, I feel like there's three areas of division right now. One is um, the people who blame Sheila. Two is the people who blame Steffi. And three, um, the people that believe both are to blame. I tend to fall in the third category. And when I when I say that, I don't I don't mean it in the sense of it's Steffi's fault she got shot because you can never blame someone else for another person's violent actions um so i don't mean it in that way i just mean it in a sense of steffi should have made better choices that night instead of going all the way to il giardino to confront sheila and then following her in the alley that was not smart but um i feel like steffi is maybe five percent of that blame because she 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 went there, she followed her out to the alley, but I feel like 95% of everything else um, is Sheila, because Sheila made the decision to be violent. She made the decision to pull out a weapon. Um, so it's my opinion that the fact that we're saying Steffi never should have gone to 
confront Sheila because she's unstable. It kind of backs up Steffi's reasoning for not wanting Sheila around. Because really, who wants to walk on eggshells around a family member who is also asking to be a part of um, her, Steffi's son's life, Hayes' life? Because basically what we're saying is that you can't confront someone like Sheila. Um, you can't challenge them on something that they've said or done. You can't express any kind of concerns or disagree with her because you might trigger her in some way that might end up being violent or maybe maybe not violent, but maybe something uh, similar to what she did to Brooke. She might find a way to try to ruin your life. So to me, that's not something that I would want to have to deal with with somebody that's going to be in my child's life. Um, so if we already have this thought process about how to deal with Sheila, that's not something that I want to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, especially somebody who's going to be influencing my child in some way. And it doesn't matter how gentle or nice you are about it. At the end of the day, all Sheila is going to see is I'm not getting what I want. And it's going to, it's going to anger her in some way. Um, so it's just one of those things where it's like if you do confront somebody like her you have to make sure that it's done in the presence of certain people so she doesn't hurt you or you have to tell someone else so that person can go talk to Sheila but who's to say that she won't hurt that individual um, so it's just a double-edged sword in my opinion and again, Sheila basically proves Steffi and Brooke's point for them as to why she doesn't really deserve to be in Hayes' life or Finn's life. Now, I still believe that Steffi doesn't have a right to tell Finn he can't have a relationship with his mother. I think, um, you know, he's an adult. That's a decision that he should be able to make on his own. But do I think it's a good idea? No, I don't, because Sheila is the type that can't take no for an answer when she wants something, and eventually she would push and push and push until she got her way with Hayes, and we know Steffi isn't going for that, which would cause a whole other issue. So, yeah, Steffi doesn't change her mind about Sheila spending time with Hayes, um... We know Sheila would probably concoct some type of plan to get rid of her so she can have her way. And again, who wants someone in their child's life that they have to walk on eggshells around because they're afraid of her reaction to an opinion or a disagreement that they might have with her? So, I don't know. I just feel like even if Steffi wasn't trying to control Finn's decision, her next target would definitely have um have been Hayes so even if they were okay with even if Steffi would have been okay with um Finn developing a relationship with his mom I don't think she ever would have agreed to I, I hate saying okay with because again Finn is an adult if Steffi had not tried to even if she had not tried to get in the way of him developing a relationship with his mom um I, I think Hayes definitely would have been 
Sheila's next target. And we know Stephanie would not, would never have gone for that. So that would have just created this whole drama in a different sense. So that is my two cents on that particular situation. My thing on that, and I, you guys probably know where I stand in regards to, um, you know, the whole thing with the in the alley, because I've talked uh, talked about it and on whatever the term that you describe, I've talked to it, o- talked about it over and over again. Um, now I fall in that category of number three that Keisha mentioned. Now, I did hear Keisha said 5% Steffi, 95% Sheila. I honestly think that there's more accountability on Steffi's end because it's what you do in the moment that's going to either go one direction or the other. And I'm talking about in the alley because we can go back to New Year's Eve where, you know, Taylor gave the advice of being able to control the situation and the environment by monitoring. And it could have been set up where it was supervised visits. I mean, this stuff happens all the time. If you don't trust Sheila enough, then you need to put something legally together, which if she probably had allowed Finn to figure this out on his own, instead of trying to tell Finn what to do. Because she, she was trying to control Finn's decision as much as she was trying to control what was going on in that alley, which was out of her control. Um, but there's always a way to do things in situations just like this. If you want to get to know somebody in a supervised control setting, you need to be able to set up something where, and I know we're talking about a soap, they're not going to even fathom to add all this stuff in there, right? But let's, we're just talking for kicks and giggles on the podcast, right? Because, you know, the writers aren't going to do this. But in a situation like that, that's why you have supervised visitation. So, I mean, if they put something together to say, hey, you know, you just got out of prison. I want to be able to work with you. I'm going to allow you to get to know me, meaning Finn. But we have to do this in a supervised setting. You, you can only see me right now. And if I choose, you know, along with, you know, me and my wife chooses to allow you to see Hayes, then we'll get to that when we get there. You know what I'm saying? Now, yes, yeah, she started showing up at the house and things like that. But one thing I noticed about the Bold and Beautiful is that people don't lock their doors and people can just show up at people's houses. So that's what they get. If you're a rich person like that, like a Steffi or even an Eric Forrester, why do people just walk up in your house? Why do people just show up at your door? Don't y'all got security systems? I mean, that makes no sense. Writer's flaw. But, um... Because I know people be like, oh, well, Sheila was showing up. Well, that's their security fault. Um, the thing is, is that I think Taylor had the right idea in the beginning. And it just spiraled out of control the more Steffi controlled her husband, the more she tried to control this and tell him what he can and cannot do. 
And it just, and that made her, meaning Sheila, more and more angrier. Instead of them trying to work and figure that whole thing out together. And it just spiraled out of control. That's just my theory. Um, the thing is, is that at the end of the day, it was his decision. Just as much as it's Kyle's decision to figure out what's going on with Diane, right? Um, but in that alley, she had to take a lot. Her and Thomas. Thomas should have informed the family what was going on, what she did to Brooke before they even got to this point. The only reason that Steffi was in that alley is because of Thomas. She was trying to figure out what Thomas had to do with Sheila. She wouldn't have had to even do that if Thomas had to do the took the responsible role instead of being in his parents' business like a a, a, a young child wanting their parents together. And say, look, Sheila switched the alcohol labels on the bottles and blah, blah, blah. This is what she's doing. And this would be a non-issue. Then to make matters worse, once she finds out what happened, you walk away. Um, I noticed something that I will say I do have a little bit of a disagreement when it comes to something Keisha said about the whole thing is just because a person might act out or is triggered don't mean that you shouldn't be able to talk to them. I am not walking up to a Jeffrey Dahmer or a John Wayne Gacy or the, the uh, what's that bomber dude? The Unabomber or anybody else that's psychopathic to try to run up on them because I'm feeling some kind of way about them. I'm not doing it. I don't know about nobody else, but even people on, because they're more psychopathic, even sociopathic people, people that are highly manipulative, narcissistic. I'm not dealing with you. I don't even want to have a conversation with you. If I find out something about you, I will not try to confront you. You cannot confront you cannot confront a sociopath and a psychopath because they have no empathy. None. So to try to make them feel something by attacking them, by confronting them, it doesn't work. In psychology, sociopaths, psychopaths have zero empathy. There's no feeling there. They're empty souls. They live off of the energy of other people. They're like emotional vampires. So for you to threaten them, it's like blowing smoke into air. It goes nowhere. It might float away, but it's not going to stick to anything. And for Steffi to think, to actually tell a psychopath, you're not in control. I am in control. Are you out of your mind? Are you, are you, make that make sense. I was going to say, are you stupid or are you stupid? You don't do it. You don't do it. When I realize that there are toxic people, you know, I'm not going to confront them. Now, I will say it's a double-edged sword because Keisha did say something interesting that with People saying that you don't do what she did in the alley supports what she said. Well, if that supports what she said, then she should have never uh, confronted 
Sheila in the first place. You you wanted to figure out what your brother was doing. You found out what your brother was doing. Now it's go time. It's time to talk to your brother. It's time to go talk to your husband. Your husband was spending the last thirty minutes or so looking for you. There's no reason for you to be in the back of an alley fighting with a so a psychopath or a confronting them. And I got to say this, as much as I said they don't have empathy, Sheila did try to dis, um, de-escalate the situation. She took her hands off of her. She backed up when she had her against that, that garbage dumpster. That was her opportunity to get the French toast out of there. But no, she continued to stay there. So 5%, I got to give uh, Steffi a little bit more accountability than that. Now, the attempt on her life, that's all Sheila. That's all Sheila. But I don't want to get too carried away because of the fact that I still have to recap this week. But I kind of wanted to, you know, kind of give a response to some of the things that she had to say as well in her commentary. Okay? But this week, this whole thing with Finn and... um. Because <laughs> we found out that on Monday's episode that Finn was still alive, he's in a coma, and that Lee is taking care of him. So she also had some comments on that. Let me play that for you now. So the next storyline I wanted to get into was Diane coming back oh, into town. Whoop, sorry, wrong clip. Wrong clip. So then we have the next part of the story, which is, of course, we all know that Finn is still alive and Lee has been um, keeping him alive at her her house. Um, so to me, the way the writers put this together, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense and it doesn't add up. Um, Lee said that, at one point Lee says that um, Steffi, Steffi's baggage put Finn in this situation. I, I don't think those were her exact words, but it was something to, it was something like that. So my question is, what baggage are the writers talking about? If it was the paternity issue that um, they dealt with before Finn and Steffi got married, um, Lee never expressed any concern about their relationship because of the whole paternity situation. Lee was still all about that marriage. She was, um, she was happy for Finn. She was constantly praising Steffi and the Foresters and talking about how happy she was that Finn was uh, marrying into, you know, such a wonderful family. So... The only other baggage I could think of that she would be referring to is Sheila, which doesn't make sense because it is not Steffi or the Forrester's fault that Sheila decided to come back into her biological son's life. Um, they didn't bring Sheila into Lee and Finn's life. Jack did that when he had that affair. Uh, it wouldn't have mattered who Finn decided to marry. If Sheila decided that she wanted to um, pop up and 
try to make a relationship with her son. It wouldn't matter if he was married to the Foresters in L.A. or if he was somewhere out in New York and married a family into a family out there. Sheila was going to find him and she was going to try to create a develop develop a relationship with her son eventually. So blaming the Foresters for that doesn't make sense. Um, and she can't be mad at the approach that Steffi um, took with Sheila because Lee treats Sheila the same way. She's gotten in Sheila's face and told Sheila she didn't want her to be a part of her son's life. So, I mean, she had, she was on Steffi's side, if I remember correctly, the whole time about how Steffi felt about Sheila being back around. Um, maybe she thinks that Sheila only wanted to come around because of who Finn was marrying, which that's still not Steffi's fault. And that just says that Sheila really didn't care about the relationship with Finn, that she only wanted to get in with the Foresters again. Um, so when she made the decision to hide Finn, she wasn't aware that Sheila shot him. She didn't know Steffi confronted Sheila. And she didn't know that Thomas kept that secret. So she, she made that decision just based on what because suddenly she has a disdain for the foresters because some way in, in some way shape or form Finn getting shot was was Steffi's fault which she had no idea what happened or how it happened so I don't know I, I, I don't understand uh, how the writers, knowing that they were bringing um, Finn's character back, like this was this was the way you wrote this storyline to play out. It just didn't, I don't know, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, what would have made more sense was if she said that she was hiding Finn because she wanted to see if she could save his life. Um, and she didn't want to get Steffi and... Um, you know, the Forester's hopes up. But her suddenly being angry at the Forester's and angry at Stephanie. Stephanie, why do I keep calling her Stephanie? Angry at Stephanie. Um, it just doesn't, it's just, again, just doesn't make sense to me. Um, so, in a way, she seemed to be annoyed with Liam being around, which we're all annoyed with Liam. Like, Liam, go home and, you know, you can be there for Kelly, but as much as he is there for Steffi, just doesn't make sense. Steffi has plenty of family that can be there for her. Um, but she seemed to be annoyed when Liam was at the house when she stopped by, but she also is very annoyed that Steffi wants to have a memorial service. Um... And it's just, it's just another thing that it just takes the storyline in a weird direction. And because she's pushing Steffi away and she's kind of being unpleasant to her, which that's not fair to Steffi because Steffi is grieving the loss of her husband. And instead of you working with her, you're, you're pushing her away and you're making her feel like she's wrong for asking to do a memorial service. 
So if you're not going to tell the truth about what's going on, then I feel like you should at least allow her to do what she, what she feels like she needs to do to um, kind of have some closure to the fact that she thinks that her husband is dead. Um, and then when she gets back to Finn and she, you know, was talking to him, one of the things that she says is, um, you know, I want to get you better so you can get back to your son. And then she says, um, something to the effect of, I hope Steffi is still worthy of your love. Um, it's like she expects Steffi to never move on. Um... Yes, it would be weird if Steffi, you know, immediately jumped into another relationship after after the death the death of her husband. But Lee said herself that she didn't know how long it was going to take Finn to get better or if he would even get better. But she wanted to try. So you can't expect oh, uh, someone that has lost their spouse to just stay single for the rest of their lives um I think that's kind of an unfair expectation of Lee uh, and maybe I'm reading too much into it but to me I, I felt like that's what she was saying when she said I hope she's still worthy of your love kind of like I hope you know she doesn't move on to somebody else before you're able to get better if if Fink is better in a couple of months and Stephanie has already moved on, I would understand Lee being upset about that. But if she plans on keeping Finn alive on these machines for the next year or two, then she can't be upset with Stephanie if she moves on to somebody else. Um, so, I don't know. I just wish the writers would have done a better job of putting this whole story together because it was a good one like I, you know it was a, it's, it was a, a good way to drum up some drama I just think that the Lee side of things just doesn't make sense to me so I hope this doesn't mean that because Steffi thinks um, Finn has passed away that it somehow sparks another round of Liam, Steffi, Hope Love Triangle and then Finn has to come back to, you know, his, the fact that his wife has moved on with Liam of all people. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that that's not what it is. Okay. So that's her uh, response to the whole thing happening this week with Lee uh, taking care of Finn throughout this whole thing with Finn coming back to the show. Obviously, a lot of fans were upset in regards to this. Excuse me. In regards to um, killing Finn off back about, what was that? I think it was April 4th. So it's been about six weeks ago. And so because of the fact that we got sick and tired of that whole Liam Hope triangle, it was time to bring in another leading man for Steffi. Now... Going back to the whole thing about why Lee is feeling like, you know, she don't want her son dragged into the baggage of the Forrester family. Um, 
honestly, there's some history there, but you know, Sheila's the biggest part of it, right? But the other part is, and I kind of brought this up online, and I know myself and Keisha, we were talking about it on Facebook um, in one of the Young and Restless groups. The thing is, is that there was this whole who's the baby father storyline because in the middle of that was Steffi, Liam, and Finn. So I know what we saw in regards to it seemingly like she was okay with Steffi and the wedding and everything. Of course, she got pissed off when she found out that Finn was Jack's biological son through his affair with Sheila. But I will tell you this much. People can smile in your face. They can be right at your wedding and be like, oh my God, the ceremony is so beautiful. I'm so happy for them. And then when they get behind closed doors, she ain't going to be no good for him. It ain't going to last a year or two. So just as much as she can smile in her face and feel some kind of way about um, you know, the wedding and say, oh my God, you know, I'm glad to see you together and you're married to my son. Sometimes people hide their true feelings. Unfortunately, we wish we could take people at their word, but these days, you know, a lot of people put on fronts and they'll say something that they think you want to hear, but their true feelings is buried underneath. And this is why I in my opinion, I think is what happened with Lee. Every She even said, you know, I mean, you had a wonderful life. I, it was the best day of my life when I saw you graduate from medical school. I raised you to be this upstanding person. So Lee remembers every moment from the time he was a baby all the way up having a peaceful life where his goals and his dreams and he met them. He get involved with the Foresters. He's caught in the middle of a baby mama drama. I mean, baby daddy. Who's the paternity? Who's the daddy drama? I'm sorry. Who's the daddy drama? It turns out that it's his kid. You know, I mean, he met Steffi through the whole, um, I think she was on medic prescription meds or something. And that's how they met. So I'm not even going there with that. But then after all of that, him saving her, getting her through this situation, you still sleep with your ex. There's a pregnancy from this. And now your current, your guy that you're dealing with, who he feels that, you know, I'm, we're together, I'm in love with. I find out you sleep with your ex and this baby might just be his. If I was Lee, I would be feeling some kind of way about that too. You know, I mean, seriously, sometimes when it comes to, you know, I, I'm, I'm a parent, you know, so I can imagine some parents out there. And even if you don't have kids, you might have seen situations out there like that where, you know, this person has had, they're on the right trajectory. They get involved with someone and then the life skewers left. And it's like, oh my God, really? So, I mean, this is the person that you helped save her. You are now in a relationship with her. She sleeps with her ex. She's also sleeping with you. And there's a question on who's Hayes' father. If I was Lee, 
I would be feeling some kind of way about that. Then that gets behind us. We get married. I mean, the, the you know, the two of them get married. And then now the Foresters have um, a lot of other... The um the Foresters now have a lot of other drama coming along, which is Sheila. Now, Jack brought Sheila in their lives, but there's history with the Foresters and Sheila Carter. And Sheila just happened to be Finn's biological mother. So now Leah's looking at like, oh my God, here we go again. So it's one thing for Jack being the bio dad. She found that out. Sheila having a connection and history with the Foresters. She finds that out. So now from that to that to that, she's looking like, you know what? If it was up to me, I wouldn't want any parts, any parts of that family and all of the baggage and all of the drama that comes with the Foresters. And as we know, (laughs) this is why this is a soap opera because of the drama with the Foresters. So... To, you know, I understand where Keisha is coming from in regards to that whole thing. But I also can see on the side with Lee that she didn't, I mean, this man didn't been through all of this. Plus, Steffi has been telling him what to do. This man can't make a decision on his own. She's turning him just like Liam. She was trying to turn him into another Liam where she controlled the situation. That man has to, I mean, when you're married, it's interdependent. They, you know, you both work together. It's not you do what I tell you to do. And that's pretty much what Steffi was doing, which I, I never liked that. I've always spoke about that. But the thing is, is that looking at Lee, I can see why she feel the way she feels. It's like, dang, my son's life has been pretty much peaceful. He's been achieving his goals. He get involved with Steffi Forrester, and it's just chaos after chaos after chaos after chaos. And now he got a bullet in him because, and granted, she don't know what happened in that alley. But what I think what she do know is that he jumped in front of a bullet to save Steffi. And if Steffi probably hadn't had a behind in that alley arguing with her, he wouldn't have had a bullet in his stomach. So, I mean, hey, that's that's my thought on it. So, because I said that even, I called it before that episode happened on Tuesday. Because I actually filmed that episode and put it in the groups. Because when I said it on Monday, I was like, oh yeah, Lee ain't, Lee ain't feeling the Foresters. She's not liking them at all. And people was like, what are you talking about? No, that's not what this is about. And sure enough, the next episode... She talking about dealing with the foresters and their baggage. I said, well, I tried to tell you. So, yeah, I I totally understand where she was coming from with that. I get it. You know, especially when you, you know, you see a direction of where your kid's going and then something derails that. And it has to do with the behavior of what happened with, you know, with Steffi and Liam and that whole thing where um, uh, Lee said, well, I hope that she deserves, you know, your love. 
Yeah, because that came off of her looking through that that window, seeing Liam all cuddle up with with Steffi. That man ain't supposed to be there. You got two you got two kids depending on you at home and a whole wife. Granted, Hope is being, you know, very very relaxed about it, even though Brooke is seething about it. You need to be at home. She has family. Steffi has. Um, her mom, her dad, her brother. She got the nanny to help her with the kids. I mean, I'm not saying Liam shouldn't be there, but at the extent of what he's doing, where it's possibility that it could fall into a situation where, you know, Liam liked to do that. He's a waffler, which is why Brooke is so afraid that he falls right back into his old ways. And it's up to Steffi to say yes or no. But if she ends up being in a in a situation with him, you know, even though she thinks Finn is deceased, the thing is, Liam is married. So if she happens to fall into the with that whole worthy, you go back and sleep with your ex who's married to somebody else, yeah, that's a whole problem. And yes, I if I was Finn, I would look at that, whether she knew I was dead or not. Why are you messing with your ex? Who's also married to somebody else. So I can understand where Lee was coming from with that statement. You know, so it's a crazy, crazy situation. Um, I was a I'm still a Steffi fan, but right now, over the past six months, uh yeah, you guys know where I stand on the actions that she's been taking. You know, she needs to let Finn figure that relationship out with his mom. And as for what happened in that alley, you know what I think about that. Um, I'm glad Finn is back. I'm looking forward to seeing where the storyline goes. Um, who knows? Maybe they might switch him off to be with Hope. Something happened with Steffi and Liam. And... Finn is found out to be alive. They both feel betrayed. Maybe Finn ended up with Hope. You know how these storylines. Everybody swap partners. Okay. Then we got this other stupid storyline with uh, Brooke and Taylor fighting over Ridge. Now, granted, Ridge did a knee-jerk reaction. I'm not saying that he shouldn't have you know, um, felt the way he felt. But when he left Brooks for the first time, he should have went to Eric's house that time, not over to Steffi's, kissing all over Taylor. Now, Taylor also know that he's a married man. Now, she did push back and she tell him that you need to make a decision. But you let Thomas gas you up to send you over to Eric's house on Friday's episode to try to have his whole conversation with Eric you get into it with Brooke after you all have supposedly made peace earlier this week. Now, as much as Brooke has done what she did, at the end of this, Brooke was right. They're still married. So no matter what Taylor is trying to say about, um, well, you know, we need a situation where... Maybe Ridge want peace and solace and all of that. 
okay? That might be cool, but he need to clean up all his dirty laundry before getting into a new relationship. You need to clean up his dirty laundry before doing that. You cannot go back and forth and you still marry the brook. It's just not the way that needs to go. So I don't even I'm not going to even spend life on that storyline because that whole thing is 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 trash. They shouldn't how long are we going to keep going back and forth between Taylor and Brooke? It's horrible. It makes no sense and it's a waste of time. When they could be technically, you know, focus on somebody else like the interview that uh the I, for, I keep forgetting her name. I don't know why I want to call her Kayla. But um, the girl that plays um, Taylor and Kimberlyn Brown did a live Q&A last week. And it was so funny. They say, what recommendations would you give to Taylor about Ridge? Break up and get, a, get on a date nap. Go get on Tinder or something. That's what they said. Taylor needs to find somebody else. Stop pining after this man. You know, and he keep going back and forth between the two of them. He's another Liam. I mean, a Liam is like him, I guess, if that's how you want to describe it. I'm so over that storyline. To me, it's a waste of space and time. Then we got the whole other storyline with Quinn, Carter, Zenday, and Paris. And um, before I have my say-so on that one... I am going to let you hear what Keisha had to say. Here we go. So just a little quick note on the whole Quinn Carter Paris situation. Um, of course, we all see, we all know that Paris has told Zenday that she's interested in Carter. Um, Zenday clearly, I mean, he said that he just wants her to be happy, but clearly when he confronted Carter about it, he was in his feelings. Um, but Paris is, she's a little, getting a little too big for her britches because for her to be up in the owner of the company's face that she works for, um, his wife's face, basically telling her, or almost in a sense putting her on notice about basically how she's got her eye on her and Carter. Um, and, you know, hopefully they're telling the truth that there's nothing going on. I, that's bold because really there is nothing going on. And Paris is almost kind of threatening um, Quinn, uh, you know, in a sense. Like, there, you know, there better not be anything going on because I told him you guys before I'll do it again kind of thing. And to me, it's like, how do you think that this is going to get Carter to be interested in you. Because not only are you threatening Quinn, or are you trying to check Quinn about this whole thing, she, in a roundabout way, is also doing the same thing to Carter and accusing, by accusing um, them of something going on when there's not. Clearly, Carter does still have feelings for Quinn, and it's inappropriate for him to even tell her that, um, how he feels about her, or to make some of the little comments you know, some of the little compliments that he's been giving her. Um, but Quinn hasn't done anything wrong. Um, so all Quinn would have to do is go to Eric and say, look, we had our problems. Um, 
I have been nothing but 100% faithful to you since you found out. Um, there is nothing going on between me and Carter, but Paris keeps insinuating that there is and keeps making those look, making these little snide comments um, as if she thinks that there is something going on between me and Carter. And I don't want that to have an effect on our marriage or the work environment. And she could have Paris fired at the drop of a dime. So, um, Paris uh, has gotten a little too confident and a little too comfortable around there for the position that she's in for her to be approaching Quinn the way she is. So, I wouldn't blame Quinn if she went to Eric with complaints about Paris making the work environment uncomfortable. Paris would have deserved it. Or she will deserve it if that's what Quinn chooses to do. And Quinn, in my opinion, is being way too nice about it because I would have blasted her the last time she said something or the first time she said something actually about um, had an opinion on you know Quinn and Carter and what she thinks may be going on all right so that's her thoughts on the whole situation with um Quinn Carter Zenday and Paris and I agree with her Paris is out of control. She is out of line. It is disrespectful. Um, now, granted, you know, again, we're in soap world, but how many times does Carter have to say, you know what? No, we're done. Now, I got to say, Carter is harboring feelings for Quinn. We can definitely tell that, but they are not acting on it. Quinn is not acting on it. But for Paris to come up in that office, all huffy-puffy in Quinn's face, which is the owner, not the manager, not the director, not the president. He's the CEO and founding owner of Forrester Creations. Quinn is his wife. You come up in there hurling threats or insinuating threats about I'm keeping my eye on you and pretty much giving them the heads up. You know, I can do this again. If I told on you one time, I tell you again, girl, please, if you don't go sit yourself down somewhere and shut up, you know, you already screwed over one Forrester, which is the whole thing with Zenday. And granted, Zenday is taking the high road. You know, he like, okay, you know what? I just want her to be happy. I ain't happy about it myself, but it's her decision. If she don't want to be with me, fine. I'll leave her be. But then he got lied to, too, because remember, Paris lied to him. Paris didn't tell the, the story that she not only slept with Carter once, twice, but I think three times, if I'm not mistaken. She went and told Zenday, Oh, well, you know, nothing's going on with us, but I want there to be, and I'm interested in him. And then you do this without letting Carter know what you were going to tell him. And then you come and tell him after the fact. That's shady in itself. And then you got the nerve to jump up in Quinn's face and try to put her on notice. And it's like, girl, do you, I mean... They let you in the company. You came in as a humble individual. 
you were more mad at your sister for how she was moving. And now you moving like Zoe. When she was trying to get up from up on the Carter to get the Zenday. And now you mad like, because I had this conversation with somebody else who's a fan. Because I asked them, what do you think she's trying to do by blowing up the spot? Do you think that Carter's really going to be with you after all of this? And the comment that he gave was, well, it's more of if I can't have you, nobody can. And I'm like, ah, oh, that makes sense. Because I'm like, there is no way on God's green earth you come in there saying the things that you're saying. And Carter going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm going to get back with you. Really? You basically going to try to put them on blast. And you think Carter is going to want to go back to that. So, no, she's trying to blow up the spot by pretty much being very, very um, passive aggressive. Trying to let Carter, push Carter away from Quinn because of what she is trying to do. But at the same time, if Quinn and Carter do go ahead, I'm going to blow up the spot. So guess what? I can't have you. Neither can she because y'all going to, you know, I'm going to blow up that whole thing, ruin your life. You're going to be out on the street because, you know, what you call it is going to fire you, Eric, or whatever. Yeah, I, I'm not happy about that at all. I was hoping that we'd work out that storyline where Zenday and Paris would stay together because they've been trying to chem test um, Paris with Zenday, Thomas, and Finn at one point, and it just wasn't working out, and the fans wasn't liking it. So now they just decided to make us, you know, scandalous. I never liked the fact that she was being pushy when it came to him saying no. Because like I said, if the shoe was on the other foot, social media would be having a holy fit. Like I said, I call it down the middle. If a man says no, he means no. Now granted, in this case, he finally gave in. But now she's at the point where she's pushing threats on people. Please. Yeah, she needs to go sit down somewhere. Um, I'm trying to think. So Paris rose to the challenge when she found Carter behind closed doors. And it wasn't closed doors. She just walked in. Just like Quinn says, oh, you behind closed doors. And she was like, you mean that door that you just walked in? I was rolling. Um, and then we already talked about Lee holding that big secret about Finn, even though Finn's other loved ones don't know. And then this whole thing with Eric running interference between Brooke and Taylor over Ridge. Eric needs to go sit down too. Because he over there playing pickleball. He playing pickleball with Miss Donna. So, you don't need to be saying nothing. You know, so... It was a pretty interesting week this week. Um, we'll see what happened. Uh, for Monday's episode of The Young and the Restless, stay tuned for Diane's decision on what to do about Ashlyn Locke and whether she should team up with him. Um, Sharon spaz out with Ashlyn Locke. We'll see another interaction between Noah and Allie. 
And what else? Uh, oh, yeah, Victor. Victor, every, like I said, Summer is being pulled in multiple ways when it comes to Ashlyn and Diane. And it's Victor's turn to try to coerce Summer into um, keeping Ashlyn away from Harrison. So we'll see more about that on Monday, too. On the Bold and the Beautiful, um, Paris is still going to try to, you know, blow up the spot if there's anything to blow up, but she thinks there is. So look out for that. Um, more between Brooke and Taylor, blah, 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 blah. It is what it is. So we will see. So my flip the script, which is the last segment, we're at the end of our show. And thank you so much, Keisha, for your thoughts. It was absolutely awesome. We're going to try to get you back on here live. Hopefully we can get you and Trish together. And we'll have three people on the show giving three people's opinions. But it's been a crazy week. Um, Like I said, we usually do it on Friday. But my daughter flew into town, so I was busy fighting airport traffic and driving around in circles until we were able to locate her and pick her up at the terminal. So I spent that last night, and then, um, you know, we're going to enjoy the long holiday weekend. And I hope you guys are enjoying the long holiday weekend as well, and we'll be back on track. Um, so before we go, my flip the script for the young and the restless is that whole fight between Nikki and Diane. I wish Diane would have took the high road and made her look foolish by seething and foaming at the mouth. Her and Phyllis. Phyllis need to get some therapy. She cannot be that emotionally triggered where she's spazzing out and she ruins every date with Jack every moment with Summer obsessing over Diane oh go get help with that um and the same thing with this situation with Nikki Nikki needs to take accountability for the fact that she's pissed off at Diane for the things that she did and the fact that she was a suspect you wouldn't be a suspect if you weren't in that park that night so get over yourself I wish Diane however would have took the high road and not slap Nikki and just let her look crazy and just stand up there and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because here's the thing. A reaction is not the opposite of response. The opposite of that is indifference. So if she had a showed indifference and just took her coffee and be like, eh, okay, whatever you say is not the truth, but hey, that's on you. That would have hurt even further because that reaction, Nikki expected. And it definitely as they say, confirmation bias, it definitely would have confirmed what she wanted everybody to see in that moment, right? Cool. In regards to the bold and beautiful for my flip the script, um, I would have had Quinn, even though she said, I am the boss's wife and you shouldn't be saying what you're saying, she has a lot of authority around there. And as much as we know what Eric is doing with Donna, um, I would say she needs to definitely be a, go a little deeper in putting Paris on notice. Um, I, I say the only other thing with um, a flip the script with, with the whole Liam Finn situation, send that man back home to his wife 
either go get some counseling, talk to your parents, talk to, you know, um, your brother or anybody else. But Liam don't need to be around there. Seriously. She don't. I mean, he don't. He has a whole wife, a whole family. He has a daughter with, with, with Hope. Go over there and mind your own business. Stop by. Are you okay? Are you good? Do you need anything? How's the, How's our daughter? Cool. Go home. But all this other stuff, mm-mm. No. So, that's my thoughts. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Um, it was a pretty good one. We'll have more next week for the week of May 30th through, I think that's June 3rd. I think the, Yeah, June 3rd. So, look out for that. And until our next recap and podcast, thank you so much for coming back every week. We will see you very soon. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on CBS Soap Dish Recap. Make sure you check us out on our Facebook group at The Young and the Restless, Bold and the Beautiful, Long Haul, Die Hard Fans Group. We are 29,000 strong and we would welcome you. Also, never miss an episode. You can check us out on other platforms, such as via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. Also on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and more. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, give us a rating. If you simply want to tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. We're signing off for now. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.